Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Ave Geeks podcast. I'm Flight Corporal Jack Anderson. I'm here with Flight Corporal Nadim Elgazar. Hello, everyone. And Flight Corporal Aiden Paul. How's it going? And for tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about strategic bombing. More specifically, why the Allied campaigns during World War II won and why the Germans didn't. This was a very big factor during the war. So just before we start, I think we should clarify what strategic bombing is, because a lot of people get strategic bombing and tactical bombing mixed up. They're very similar, but at the same time, they're quite different. So strategic bombing typically entails um, bombing, well, as you'd expect, strategic positions. This usually means deep into enemy territory, usually cities and more specifically factories, uh, railways, mines, pretty much anything that would support the war effort, that is what their target is. Now, tactical bombing, what that is, um, it's usually, unlike close air support, it's not directly challenging the troops on the front line, but what tactical bombing does is it flies behind enemy lines, not as far, and it more directly attacks um, things that would be directly supporting the troops on the ground, such as artillery pieces, supply lines, um, troop reserves, stuff like that. So tactical is more focused on um, closer support to the battlefield, whereas strategic bombing is more focused on the heart of the enemy's industrial power. So I think one important thing to look at for uh, strategic bombing is the main equipment that was used, the main aircraft. So we have a list here for the Americans. We had the B-17, the B-29, and the B-24. Um, quite a few of those were built by Boeing, which is a very interesting thing to note. Um, from England, we had the Lancaster and the Halifax. And from the Germans, we mainly had the Heinkel HE-111. That's very hard to say. <laughs> it is, German names are very confusing, but um, one interesting thing to note is that the Heinkel HE-111, it wasn't really designed to be a strategic bomber. It was designed to be a tactical bomber, but when they needed it for strategic bombing, they didn't really have anything else. That was one big flaw in the Germans' campaign. They, they didn't really have anything for strategic bombing. Like They were designing things that could have really long ranges, but at the time that they were doing most of their bombing, they didn't have anything. So they needed to use tactical bombers, which weren't really designed for strategic bombing. Um, so I think we should look at all of the country aircraft in one group. So um, we're gonna group together the B-17, B-29, B and B-24. Um, the reason we're doing this is because typically when you're looking at aircraft from a singular country, you'll see a lot of trends that are repeated. So in American aircraft, you typically see very heavily armed and armored. So they usually used 50 caliber machine guns where other countries would use three or three caliber, specifically the British. So the B-17 was the earliest of those aircraft. Um, we actually talked about it a little while back in our first episode. And we, we declared it, it the winner. <laughs> we most certainly did. And it definitely earned that title well. Um, it fought most of World War II as the main bomber for the United States. So it was definitely, it earned it. Yeah, it did. Um, so the main thing that you see is a very similar layout on their um, weapons. So you'd usually have a few on the front 
one on the bottom, one on the top, one at the tail, and then one on each side. That was pretty standard. And that was, most countries didn't have that. They had, um, for example, the British, the Lancaster and the Halifax, they had one at the front, one on the top, one at the back. So the Americans were very, very heavily armed compared to other allied nations, such as the British. Um, that really brings me up to our second category, the British aircraft. So British aircraft, we did talk about this as well in the first episode. We talked about how they're not very um, heavily armed. They're very weak from the bottom. And again, they only use three or three caliber weapons. So those are very hard to shoot down very powerful aircraft, such as the uh, ME-262, the fighter jets that the Germans had. Yeah. And uh, the Lancaster is a, like, it's, it's not a great plane, but they were able to make a lot of them. And that's why it was pretty successful for the British. And it had the biggest bomb bay capacity uh, of all the bombers in the, in the, in the war, I think. Unless the B-29 beat it out late uh, war, but... No, no, no. You were, you were right. The yeah. Lancaster, I believe it had uh, 2,200 pounds. Or... That sounds about right, yeah. Or no, sorry. It was 22,000, I thought. Yeah, 22,000, uh, not 2,200. 2, sorry. 22,000 yeah. pounds in its bomb load. So it definitely was very effective, but a big problem with British bombers were they weren't very accurate. Yeah. Um, so here, let's move on to the German ones really quickly. The Heinkel HE-111. As I said before, that was a tactical bomber, which was, it was really pushed into strategic bomb. It's not what it was designed for at all. Um, it's not good. This is mainly a famous aircraft from uh, the Battle of Britain and from the Blitz. So if you've ever seen any movies about those, you'll definitely recognize this aircraft. It's sort of like the standard German bomber. Um, well, it definitely did have good weapons. It had weapons such as the MG42, which was uh, nicknamed the buzzsaw because of the way it fired. It was The way it fired was similar to a minigun, so it definitely had a very good firepower. The problem was, on this aircraft, the guns were laid out in a very peculiar way. If anyone here has played the game War Thunder, you will definitely know what I'm talking about. The guns on this thing make no sense. Um, so they had one turret on the top. In the first models, it could turn um, almost all the way around, uh, about 180 degrees, couldn't look forward. Um, also, because of the tail, it was very hard to shoot backwards. Some models had uh, a remote-controlled gun in the tail, which was very peculiar, and it wasn't very accurate. It also couldn't look side to side very much. It could only look up and down. So... Unlike British and American bombers, where they'd have one dedicated turret at the tail that can turn all the way around and look at any aircraft attacking from the tail, this German aircraft was very vulnerable from back there. Um, yeah, I think that that aircraft is a pretty big design flaw compared to uh, the American and the British bombers, like just to compete with them. And uh, it was also, it's not good to push a certain, a bomber from a certain, like a strategic, a, sorry, a tactical bomber into a certain, into a different area, because there's obviously going to be flaws in that area and it can't perform as uh, an aircraft that is designed for that field. So, yeah. And you really see that when you see what it was originally designed for It's designed for Blitzkrieg. It was designed for supporting the ground troops. So typically it would be very close to home. So it would have a fighter escort, but when it was doing strategic bombings, if it was on very long missions, 
it would have no way for it to have an escort. Um, so and I think if that, I can add, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Uh, also, if you're a strategic bomber, you're not going to fly very high and you're also in that cause like, yeah, you're going to fly in a relative area, but for accuracy, you're not going to go that high and you can't just push a bomber. Like it's not going to be as accurate. Um, well, I think you mean tactical bombing, but for strategic, I, yeah. yeah, for strategic bombing, you want to go high. Exactly. Normally yeah. tactical bombers, they want to stay very low to the ground. Um, so let's move on to the different goals of the Axis versus the Allied campaigns. So the British and the Americans had a very strategic look on it. That's why it was called strategic bombing. So they'd be bombing things like uh, weapons factories, um, steel mines, uh, railways, pretty much anything to hamper the war effort. Now, the Germans, what they did was they attacked major population centers and cities. So their main goal wasn't really to destroy main targets. It actually, it was in the beginning, which is a very interesting thing. We talked about this in our Battle of Britain episode. They originally were targeting airfields, radar stations, but then halfway through, they decided to change tactics and start attacking the population centers. The main reason they did this was because they wanted the British people to lose hope. They wanted them to not believe that their government could protect them. Interesting thing, though, is that a lot of people believe this had the opposite effect. People who were, um, uh, their homes were destroyed or they lost loved ones. They didn't become discouraged. They actually became more encouraged to fight the enemy. They um, really wanted to uh, get revenge on the Germans and defend their home. If I could add something real, really quick, the the Allies had a very smart look at this because if you if you target the factories, if you like manage to hit like so many transportation ways and everything, the the Germans aren't gonna do as well. And I think Germany, I think it was also half an act of like like fur- furiousness from their side because uh, the the Allies did bomb like Berlin in that area, but also. It was it was also like them trying to strike fear, and it as he said it backfired, and it's not it wasn't really a smart way for them to go. And looking back at that, maybe they thought it was a good idea then, but looking back at that like years later, of course it wasn't. So yeah, you do see the long term effects of this near the end of the war. You see that um, German their uh, their production it was absolutely horrible. They had brilliant tank designs, brilliant aircraft designs, but they had practically no way to produce it because all of their factories and natural resources had been completely destroyed by the allies. Um, Well, I think another thing to talk about is if we're talking about their effectiveness, we need to talk about the difference between the American strategy and the British strategy, because those two were very widely different. So, um, First of all, let's talk about the Americans, because I think the Americans, they did the best at strategic bombing during the Second World War. Um, their main goal was to do it during daylight, as well as they had something called the Norden bomb site. That was a very accurate bomb site. Now, the British, they, they tried to replicate that, but they sort of came up with a lower quality version of that because... Um, they started doing their operations at night. And the reason they did that was early on in the war, they tried carrying out daylight raids and they took heavy losses. So they decided that they would fly at night. Um, The main problem with that though, is it is very hard to see a target. First of all, in the daytime, 
when you're that high up. So imagine that at nighttime, especially with all the cloud covering because they're flying so high up. Um, they also didn't have the Norden bomb site. They tried to recreate their own version of it, but it didn't work. So it, it was very hard for them to recreate what the Americans had done. And that's why you get the typical... A lot of people say that the British strategy was similar to the Germans. They wanted to incite fear by um, bombing major population centers. That is not what they did. They were trying to do what the Americans did. They just had bad aim. Um, An interesting fact, though, is I heard this statistic a long time ago. It was that for every 50,000 bombs dropped by the British during World War II, only one came within a mile of its target. That is awful. It is crazy. I mean, that is ridiculous. And that's not even, that's not one in 50,000 hit the target. That's one in 50,000 landed within one mile of its target. I mean, it does even out when you consider how many bombs the British dropped during the Second World War. But still, that is, that is crazy. It was definitely due to the fact that they were flying at night and they didn't have the Norden bomb site. Yeah, I can see where they're coming from flying at night because it's safer. But at the same time, you're not going to get the, the job done as effective and also if you're flying that high the technology in world war ii was not great like the americans were far ahead with the northern bomb site like of course that's gonna give them a big boost but think of how america had to like keep that a secret from their and like from japan and everyone so that's a challenge as well and any plane that had a bomb site on it it was like like early days of it it was I don't know. I don't want to say something wrong, but I remember like it had, it, had, it was like self-destroyed once it, once the plane crashed or something. Yeah. And that was a very big thing the Americans did because they didn't want this falling into the Germans' hands. Cause if the Germans got their hands on it, they'd be able to bomb anything they wanted. Factories, railways, pretty much the same, like what they did. Um, oh, I think another important thing to look at for these um, effectiveness is another technology long-range fighters. So the Americans, you mainly see them using the P-51 Mustang. It could escort a German, or sorry, not a German bomber, an American bomber all the way into deep Germany. And that was a very vital thing because uh, late in the war, the Luftwaffe, sure, they didn't have a lot of aircraft still operational, but the few that were, were very good, like the ME-262, the Schwalbe. Um, the F-109. It was, the, it was one of the world's first fighter jets and it was very effective it was a very deadly fighter so having a p-51 mustang was definitely helping them um the british they didn't really have any long-range escorts you might say the spitfire could have but it wouldn't be able to go as far as a mustang and honestly i don't really think that really would have helped them because they're flying at night and sure they would run into night fighters but those really didn't pop up as much late in the war. Yeah, I remember the range being on the spit on the Spitfire being quite immense, but I don't remember if it was larger than the Mustang, but it, it was still good enough. But of course, uh, it wasn't it wasn't like the Mustang. It wasn't as heavily armored as the Mustang, and it couldn't do certain things as the Mustang could. Yeah, so it it certainly could fly far, but it just couldn't fly far enough. Yeah. Um, with the Germans, you see this, especially in the Battle of Britain, they did escort their bombers, but again, they had very short range bombers like the um, 
BF-109. It could only fly very short range. So that's why you actually see um, a few times they did uh, try to attack northern bases in Scotland. They tried doing this from Norway, Denmark, and northern France. The problem was that none of their fighters had the range to do that, or the ones that did were far too heavy to be effective against something like a Spitfire. Um, so that's why you mainly see during the Battle of Britain, the raids that were very successful for the Germans were the ones in the south of England. The ones in the north of England were mainly failures. Um, again, though, they sort of went after what the British did too. They, um, they did most of their raids at night after the Battle of Britain was over. During the Blitz, they would mainly strike at night because, again, a fighter, it can't really fly that well at night or it's very hard to find a target at night especially considering most of the time it would be complete darkness. All of the aircraft would be radio silence, no lights on, nothing like that. Um, and that strategy was mainly to uh, prevent bombers as well. With the lights off, the bombers would have a harder time finding cities. Yeah, for sure. So it did work on both levels where um, sure the, the fighters couldn't find the bombers, but the bombers also had a hard time finding their target. But that's why mainly see the very successful country with strategic bombing was the Americans because they had the firepower to go in during daylight because also the British, the big problem, it wasn't just their escort fighters. It was the fact that their bombers were underarmed and underarmored. So um, we talked about in the first episode, the fatal flaw was that there was no bottom turret. So Germans actually designed a plane that could shoot straight up and they used that to take down the uh, British bombers. Americans didn't have that problem because they had guns on the bottom of their planes. So they definitely could afford to fly during daylight raids. And another thing was that Americans, their uh, production was much higher than the British. So they could pump out, uh, I think I heard it was something like one new B-24 every day or something like that at the height Whoa. of the war. Yeah, so that is quite a lot. You usually don't see something like that with the British. They produce one Lancaster maybe every month or so. Mm -hmm. um, Can well, I also say something though? The B-24 was also sort of a, a not very strong, like it was strong, but it wasn't a very, it wasn't heavily armored. Like it had guns everywhere, like not everywhere, but like it had strategic gun points, but at the same, it did the job, but not, it could take shots, but also it wasn't designed to take like many, many shots. Yeah, so, so pretty much it's, it's very heavy, except from American standards, because everything is bigger in America. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think another big problem was that early on, the Germans, since they were just dropping bombs anywhere, they did eventually hit vital targets such as factories. So um uh, the British production, it was very hampered in the early stages of the war. They couldn't build as many planes, whereas the Americans didn't have that problem because German planes couldn't, they could fly nowhere near America and ships, the Germans had no aircraft carriers. So America had nothing to worry about in that department. Um, that definitely does have a big impact on the aircraft production. That's actually why you see a lot of aircraft production facilities were set up here in Canada. And that was mainly because we produced British aircraft, but we produced them in a place where it was hard for the Germans to get at them. They would really have to be trying. They'd have to send over boats and boats of people to raid them. 
so essentially they'd have to invade North America, which they had no way of doing at the time. Um, well, I think another thing people are going to bring up when they hear this episode is why aren't we talking about the Russians and the Japanese? Um, well, a big thing is that they didn't really focus on strategic bombing like the British Americans and the Germans. They focused more on tactical bombing. So the Japanese, they did have aircraft. They did use them sometimes for strategic bombing, but you mostly see a lot of their strategic bombers being used for naval operations and ground operations. Right. Um, the Soviets, they, a big thing was that they didn't really um, plan too far ahead. They didn't think we need to bomb their factories so that they can't send stuff out. They were thinking that is here now. That is a threat. We need to get rid of that. So they focused mainly on tactical bombers and close air support so that they could attack what was directly in front of them. Yeah. Um, well, that just about brings us to the end of our time for tonight. Overall, the main reason that the Americans and the British won was because of their technology. They had the best technology. They had the best strategy. Um, for sure. I would say the strategy was more or less of a fa- like the strategy definitely for the British and half the technology and half the strategy for the Americans as well. So yeah, that's probably why they, well, that's definitely why they won. Yeah, for sure. Um, just before we go, we'd like to talk really quickly about our sponsor for these episodes. This podcast is made possible by the 102 Squadron Air Cadets. Right now, we are unable to do our normal fundraising due to the pandemic. Instead, we made a Squadron Cookbook. All three of us are members of the Cookbook Committee and have seen the months of hard work that have gone into it. It includes recipes from almost every cadet, officer, and member of staff. Books will be available for pre-order soon, so keep your eyes peeled. All right. That said, thank you for listening to the Ave Geeks podcast, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, everyone. Have a good one.